Hi, everybody. I'm Lance Avery Morgan. We're coming here live from the Bob Bullock State History Museum, which is so exciting. I'm here with Rob Giardinelli. Hello, everyone. And it's great to be in Austin, Texas today, where the Bob Bullock History Museum is. And our super special guest, Sharon Schweitzer. Hello, everyone. It's Hi, always Sharon. a delight. It's always a delight to be in the same mannerly room with you. You're a protocol, manner, etiquette goddess. Well, or do you I, want us to just call you goddess? Well, I don't <laughs> know easier? about all that. I don't know about all that goddess. I don't know. I think I'm just a normal person. Just, nor- just a working gal. <laughs> That's right. Creating brands like like access to culture, access to Asia, writing books, touring the world, speaking all over the world, and being a generally all-around cool gal. Well, we aspire to be just a normal person. I try to keep up with you two. You two are the ones oh, who we funny. try to keep up with. Well, I love reading your column in the Society Diaries magazine, your Ms. Modern Manners column, which keeps everyone on their toes, i got to tell you. Well, you know, we try to keep up with the latest trends and what's happening in society because etiquette never changes. You know, it's um, it's what is everlasting. It's kindness, honesty, and integrity. It's the manners that are evolving. They're the things right. that change with right. society. So it's the situations that evolve and the manners that evolve with them. Would that be fair to say? Right. Manners are what evolve. They change and they are ever elastic because they're fluid society's fluid and right. so are the situations we end up with mm-hmm. yeah well I've always I've always heard and I grew up in a home that believed that you know good manners aren't just for company they're all the time they're for family they're for friends they're for everyone and so that in mind how have you why did you how did you get started being a protocol expert because you were an attorney you're a hotshot attorney and now you're a hotshot protocol expert well, I don't know about all this hot shot that you keep adding <laughs> in here, Lance. We're in the truth-telling business. I'm just telling the truth as I know it. Well, I practiced labor and employment law mm-hmm. for about 15 years. Yeah. And a number of my clients were asking me about cultural conflict. Because when you practice labor and employment law, you get involved with things like age, mm-hmm. sex, gender, national origin and all of those things involve cultural conflict and so whenever you start trying to bridge between people and resolve cultural conflicts you end up helping people go to the basis for what is the problem and how do you resolve those and provide solutions Mm -hmm. and many times that is not in a trial or it's not in a deposition right you go back to what is the basis and so it's a lot more fun to help people build bridges before you get to the really negative issues. Mm-hmm. And that's where I ended up doing training, coaching, and I ended up building my business. So that's how I ended up with access to culture. That's so exciting. So, you know, let's go all the way back professionally to the first dollar you ever made. We love to ask that of our guests because it, one, we think it tells a lot about a person, but two, we're often very surprised by what the person's first dollar is. What was yours? Well, you know, I was born in California. I'm a California girl. And my first dollar I earned as a lifeguard and swim instructor. So I was teaching swimming lessons and I was lifeguarding. And I did that through high school, undergraduate, and then I finally stopped doing it my first summer in law school when I started clerking for a judge. Wow. Wow. You know, they literally had to peel you away from the pool. <laughs> and and full confession here, that was my first job as well. I was a lifeguard and swim instructor as well. 
Oh my goodness! Isn't Rob. that funny? You know, we have so much in common. We really do, <laughs> and you get along that swimmingly from the first well too. onward. Yes, yeah, swimmingly I'm well. Correct. Yes. <laughs> we always have gotten along swimmingly. Yeah, we well. have. That's a perfect metaphor. Were you a WSI water safety instructor? I did not go that far. I only did. Um, I only did just the basic lifeguarding because I just did a pool and I lifeguarded at the Y and did swim lessons. And I never did the the older kids. I always did the three, four, and five year olds. So I always did the younger. I always thought they were a little bit easier. You did, you could fake it a little bit more with that because I certainly wasn't the most the best swimmer or the most trained or the most qualified. There's so much fun at that age, and you learn yeah. so much about people. You really do. By watching how the parents interact with the children, all the different age groups, and watching people interact, I learned so much about relationships. I was going to say, that would be great training for your future life. It is, because everyone at the pool, you're not in your clothing, you're in your swimsuit, you're mm-hmm. down to the basics, mm-hmm. and you see everything, all kinds of stress levels at the pool. Yep. And I'll tell you what, um, I learned a lot about it because relationships weave the fabric of our lives from children to elders. And we learn and we grow and we interact, especially at a pool or a lake or the ocean. And you know what's interesting is that as a lifeguard, as you can probably attest to, you have to have manners, right? No running. Don't don't swim after you eat, all those things. I mean, there were there were actually there was protocol around the pool. Well, there was. And the other thing is you can't just blow your whistle and expect the rowdy guys to respond to you. You have to know when to blow the whistle, how to get those little rowdy ones to pay attention to you. Yes, they're all rowdy ones. Right. And, (laughs) And, you know, I am the oldest of six and I have four brothers. So my brothers would do things to see just how much trouble can we get in with that lifeguard? Right. True. Who happens to be our sister. True. Yes. So you have to be you have to be judicious and use discretion. And you have to have a little bit of fun as a lifeguard and have a sense of humor. Absolutely. Wow. And as a swim instructor, you have to have composure. Because those three, four, and five-year-olds often cry, and they often scream, and they they do all these things, and you've got to kind of be calm, because if you're not calm, they're only going to be that much more afraid. So, it, like, it, it makes total sense that that would be the first dollar you earn, because really, you take a lot of those skills, and you really can translate it to what, you know, to what you, do, what you have done. That's right. You do. You translate that, because you have to be calm under pressure. Yep. And you're going to deal with some people who just maybe aren't so gracious. Yep. And some folks who say, oh, just toss them in the deep end. And you really can't do <laughs> Wait, that. Are we talking about you and your siblings or are we talking about the pool still? Because I would say that applies to home life. Well, there are some parents who sometimes just want to toss the little ones who are afraid of swimming in the deep end. And right. that's not such a good idea. No, the they get afraid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when you grew up in, in your household and you had, with six siblings, how did that work with manners and etiquette? And what did your parents instill upon you all? Well, my father was a naval officer who oh, flew okay. reconnaissance okay. for so the Navy. There was his way or no way? Well, you have to temper that with my mother, who was Miss Student Nurse of Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. And she was an operating room nurse and an emergency room nurse. So she was very gracious mm-hmm. and also very precise. So it was, uh, there were six of us, and so we had a wonderful childhood. Mm -hmm. We grew up having a lot of fun, and was very interesting because we learned a lot of things 
and we would lived in some fascinating places in the world. Two of my brothers were born in Japan. Mm-hmm. Wow. And several of us in California and some of us in Virginia Beach. Yeah. So we learned a tremendous amount of things. And even one of my boyfriends in high school used to say, oh, I don't want to go anywhere tonight. Why don't we just stay at your house? Because someone will break a bone <laughs> or climb on the roof. And it'll be so interesting at your Who house, needs a Sharon. Movie? Who needs the, the movie show? Oh, when, no yeah. kidding. When there's a movie playing out at your household isn't no that something kidding. that's right because it'll just be a major motion picture at your house sharon who I knows what the it. twins will do <laughs> right oh, so one of them were twins so two of your siblings were twins right i had wow. the, the ones who were six years younger than i was eric and lisa are twins isn't that something and it was lots of fun would all hang out and watch saturday night live remember that I, yeah. i've heard of that show yes of course lance you're so <laughs> silly <laughs> wait a minute that's still on well i mean what's interesting to me is that you mentioned composure and really, that's the essence of, of good manners and, and protocol and etiquette to me is composure and, and being comfortable in an environment. With your clients, how do you help them become or learn to become more comfortable in their environments? Well, you know, it, every client has their own needs and their own requests. Mm-hmm. And it's what we do is about a whole lot more than just protocol and etiquette. Mm-hmm. We do cultural dimensions. Mm -hmm. We help people understand their own culture. For example, we do living and working in the USA. Mm -hmm. When people who move from outside the US come here and want to understand how to live in the US and what are some US customs. We also uh, help people understand if they're leaving. Mm -hmm. For example, someone is moving to the Netherlands or to Germany. Mm -hmm. What are some things they need to understand in those countries? What are some things that are different from here in the U.S.? Mm -hmm. So we do a wide variety of things. We also uh, help people with global leadership. What are some of the traits that help you to become a strong leader? Tolerance of ambiguity, Mm -hmm. um, optimism. You know, sometimes people need to know what are those eight characteristics that make you a strong leader. So there's a whole lot of things that we do in addition to just the protocol and etiquette. Mm -hmm. That's uh, there are deeper cultural dimensions where we work with people and helping them understand how to work within a culture, whether Mm -hmm. it's the U.S. or a different country. So it's lifestyle consulting, business consulting. I mean, really, it's the soup to nuts. Yes. When you're exploring new cultures. Sure. Right. Sure it how is. How daunting is that? Or how daunted are some of your clients that come to you who really don't know how to do business in Amsterdam or, or what the protocol is? How do they feel and how do you help create kind of that comfort or confidence level with them? We customize our programs. Okay. So, for example, we had an aerospace company come to us and say, we have a group of 18 and they're going to Korea and they're going to be traveling with some Korean clients Mm -hmm. so we want to be comfortable with them we want to understand some of the Korean customs we want to know how to eat Korean food we want to know what the Korean food is Mm -hmm. so we did a morning session visiting with them about what the US customs are what are questions Koreans will ask about you the US and there are many things people don't understand about the US like how many time zones do we have right 
what are some of the things, you know, are we individualistic or are we more community oriented? Mm -hmm. How does that differ from Korea? Right. right. Then at the lunchtime, we will do a Korean dining mm. session with mm -hmm. Korean foods. We'll talk about Korean chopsticks. Mm -hmm. How do those vary? How are those different from Chinese or Japanese? Okay. And then in the afternoon, we'll go through and we'll do cultural dimensions between the differences between, say, power distance in Korea and power distance in the U.S., mm -hmm. um, negotiating in different um, democracies and, right. and dictatorships is very different sure. than negotiating, um, you know, in our country. Right. So we'll go through and talk about things like that, and we'll also talk about uh, how doing business is different in Korea than it is uh, in the U.S. for women. Wow. Okay. That's a really good example. How, how is it different with that country as an example? Well, here in the U.S., many times women will go uh, to dinner and then will go to drinks. Mm -hmm. In Korea, uh, you may go to dinner, uh, but you will not go to drinks afterward. You may go for karaoke, but then after that, the men may go for drinks, but the women are not going to go for drinks. Interesting. Now, do you mean the women will not go for drinks with men? That's correct. They will. Can they go for drinks with each other, a group of women? They may, okay. but there is a culture in Korea where you would not go with the men for drinks. The men are going to go somewhere that the women may be uncomfortable going. Gotcha. And so that would affect a woman's career if she joined in that endeavor. Well, she would not be comfortable going to that particular location where they're Got going it. to go. Got it. Okay. Wow. It may be more of a gentleman's location. I see. Got it. I, I understand. <laughs> wow. That is rather different yeah, than that what is. happens in the U.S. or what really is acceptable in the U.S. It is. And if you know that before you go, mm -hmm. you're far more comfortable. So right. you know you're going to go to dinner. Mm -hmm. Then you may go for karaoke. Right. And then there may be a group that goes on further, and you're not going to go do that. But if you're prepared for that, yeah. everyone's comfortable you're comfortable, right. and there's no awkward moment. If you're not prepared for that, it can get very awkward and very uncomfortable for everyone. Right. To be told, you're not coming with us, that would be difficult. Yeah. Sure, yeah. it would be very difficult. But if you know that ahead of time, mm -hmm. then you're very comfortable. And that's one of the things we cover in the book, Access to Asia. That's right, which is in its third edition now. Third, it's in third its printing. third printing. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. incredible. I mean, third printing, yes. That's phenomenal. That's a huge success. Congratulations on that. Thank you. We're very humbled by that. Yeah. And for anyone who hasn't read it, I've read it. And for anyone who does international business in Asia, they have to get this book. It is, it's literally, it's a Bible. It's an unabridged dictionary. It is everything that you could ever possibly you use it on your want. international I travels. have and you know in my last job in technology I did have to travel to Asia and it was an immense immense help to me mm -hmm. so you know one question that I would have for somebody who maybe is traveling to a country different country for the first time kind of on the subject we've been talking a little bit what's a piece of advice or a resource that you would recommend to them to scope out and check out before they go to that country abroad whether it's Korea or Amsterdam or India or anything in between? I would recommend that they do a self-assessment and understand their own style. I would recommend that they look at themselves and say, this is where I'm comfortable and don't do anything that they're not comfortable with. You know, stay within your own skin, okay. so to speak. And many people aren't 
sure exactly what they are comfortable with and kind of what their own self-assessment is. In the book, we have um, an eight-step self-assessment where you can kind of look at yourself and say, do I work better as a lone wolf or individually? Do I work better as a team member? Um, how do I work with authority? Do I like staying within the rules or do I like taking more risk? So I think having kind of taking a self-assessment before you do a business trip is a really good idea so that you kind of know where you stand on things like this before you get into a business situation and you have to make these decisions on the fly. Right, and often you do, and if, if you're fortunate enough to be with somebody else, you can kind of know what you should handle and what somebody else in your team in a presentation should handle. Exactly, Rob. That's exactly it. Then when you're with a team member, they're not surprised and you're not surprised. Exactly, exactly. And so on that note, what is, what is the average age of your clientele? I mean, it ranges from people new to the workplace to people who are more senior executive how does that work from an age standpoint with the learning curve and the adaptability and again going back to the comfort level lance we work with people who are emerging leaders to people like rob who are current leaders mm -hmm. so we'll work with uh you know universities where we do work with uh, the joint admissions medical program mm -hmm. at the University of Texas mm -hmm. we work with the global leadership initiative at Ohio State mm -hmm. I'll be going up there next month right. we also work with current leaders who are in their 40s and 50s mm -hmm. who are getting ready to embark or go on a trip or who are going to be welcoming people here mm -hmm. in the U.S. who want to make sure they're doing the right thing or doing a good job. Right. So it can run the gamut from people in their 20s to people in their 60s. How exciting. That must be a challenge for you, too. It is. Yeah. Uh, it is. And I really like opening the floor to questions mm -hmm. because that keeps me on my A game. I like it when I get a question and I have to think on my feet. Right. Yeah which I would imagine happens a lot. <laughs> it does. It you, does. As knowledgeable as you are, I mean, people have, I mean, they have different backgrounds. They have different experiences. Yeah. They have different expectations, I would imagine. They do. And some of the best questions that I get are those that make me stop and reconsider. I remember when I first started doing this work, one of the best questions I ever had when I was doing just purely protocol and etiquette work mm -hmm. was, uh, why is it always salt and pepper and not pepper and salt? And that came from a young s female student at the Ann Richards School, the Ann Richards Leadership School. Interesting. That's an interesting question. And from a young mind, too. That's really, yes. that's really incredible. It was from a young, young mind, and I love that question. Now, some of the questions that I get that I find that are just fascinating are, you know, how do I handle uh, negotiation differently, mm -hmm. um, you know, if I'm going to be down in Honduras right. and I want to negotiate with someone, how would I handle that differently than I would handle negotiation in Costa Rica? Mm -hmm. These countries are side by side, and of course the negotiation strategies would be completely different because you've got one that's a democracy and one that's not. Right. So uh, those types of questions are always fascinating. Yeah, and and going back to your earlier point about salt and pepper versus pepper and salt, when one asks to have it passed to them, how does, it, how does that work? Well, salt and pepper are married. Right. And so, and they're very happily married. And yes, so they, they always travel the table together. So if I asked you for the salt, you would hand me both the salt and pepper shakers. Actually, what I would do, Lance, is I would take the salt and pepper and I would pass it 
counterclockwise, mm -hmm. and I would set it down between you and I so that you could pick them up. Mm -hmm. Because if I hand it to you, that's not proper. I put it down on the table so that you can pick it up. Mm -hmm. And then you would pass it over and set it down between you and Rob so that he could pick up whichever one he wanted. And say I knocked this all over with my wrist by mistake and I throw it over my shoulder because that's an old wives tale. How would that be received? <laughs> that's a good question. Because I'll do that how at a formal that, dinner party. I don't care about circumstances because I'm so yeah. superstitious. Well, I think it would engender a lot of fabulous conversation. <laughs> I, I try to only do that. <laughs> I, I imagine everyone would have all kinds of questions for you and discussion, and people would laugh just like we have just now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's all about, again, the comfort level. It is. Yeah. It is. It's all about people being comfortable in your presence right. and laughter and enjoyment. So what do you think is the hallmark of a good host and the hallmark of a good guest? There are so many ways to answer that question. I think a good host knows what is going to make their guests comfortable. And a good host will always ask if there are any allergies or food sensitivities and make sure to accommodate their guests. Okay. And I do think that a good host will greet their guests and make sure everyone's comfortable. They don't have to do it personally, but someone will greet the guests at the door. Mm -hmm. um, I know I tend to do that at my mm -hmm. parties. I have a BFF who greets her guests and gets photos with her guests at the door yep. um, at her annual party. And then she'll even send photos to her, her guests um, in January in a card. Oh, that's really nice. So attending. that's like to commemorate the event and for them to have a good lasting memory of it. Yes. Well, I think photos at a party are, that's one of my personal etiquette rules is to always be photographed so that you can prove that you were there. Well, Lance, that's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I think because that's lovely. in a room of whatever, 100 people, 500 people, the guest or the host doesn't always remember if a guest was there. So if you're photographed, it's there in living black and white or color that you were there and that you were there to support them. Well, that's fabulous. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that you do that, Lance. Um, there are lots of things you can do as a host. I think the other thing is is really important to circulate Yes. and to make sure that you visit with your guests. Mm -hmm. I think as a guest, it's important to always greet the host. And if there are more than one host, to greet all of the hosts, to thank them for hosting the event and to make sure that you're able to say goodbye and thank you. Now, you may not be able to do that if the, all of the hosts are engaged, mm -hmm. but it's really important to do that. I think it's right. really important to bring a hostess or a host gift, even if it's something small. Yes. And of course, to write a handwritten thank you note within 24 to 48 hours, thanking them mm -hmm. for whatever they've done, whatever kind of event they've hosted. You know, people don't always do that these days. They seem so basic. Yeah. And you're saying that they're not basic. Well, people don't always do that. The other thing that guests don't always remember to do is RSVP. Mm. But yes. that is we important. We all understand that. Yes, the RSVP and the thank you note are wonderful things to do mm -hmm. that distinguish us and that make it important for us as guests. To well, me, it seems like a very small feat to do that. When you look at the extravagant measures a host or hostess went to, to create the party, create the guest list, create the whole environment, it seems like the easiest thing in the world is to drop a thank you note and to bring, and to never come empty handed. It seems so basic, but I guess it's not. 
Well, it should be a basic thing to do, especially if you think about you can bring a tea towel, a scented candle, right. diffusers. There's all sorts of little things you can do. Yeah. And people now, nowadays say, well, I don't want to bring a bottle of wine or I don't want to bring a champagne. You don't have to do that you if you to. don't want. Yeah. Anything right. that you know is personal that the host or hostess will like. Mm -hmm. It's all about something personal for them. If you know they collect something or there's something they specifically like, do that. You two love to sport pocket squares. If you know someone loves pocket squares, get them a silk pocket square, anything to make them happy. Oh, what a great idea. Well, and we is, welcome all pocket squares. And more importantly for people who are guests at a party that is a fabulous, fantastic party, one good way to make sure that you are on the list next year is to do those things is to bring a host gift is to write a thank you note because you know we've we've been the parties where they often will get reconfigured or you know someone who hosts a really big annual party will change the direction of it a little bit and a lot of people fall off the list and they kind of wonder why and if you're a good guest you're never going to be one of those people to fall off the list that is so true and i know people who not only in Austin, but in Houston, Dallas, and other cities, will make a list, and the people who reciprocate by hosting parties and not hosting parties, that's mm. also so true, Absolutely. because some people never open their homes and entertain. True. They're true. always in someone else's home entertaining, right. but they don't open their own home to entertain. That's a good point. And that makes a big difference. Yeah. Even if your home is small and modest, you can still open your home and entertain a small mm -hmm. dinner party. It doesn't have to be a huge soiree. And right. you know, one thing that I think is the most important thing for any guest to bring is themselves. They're dynamic selves and ready to have a great time. That to me, the, it, it lends itself to the energy of a successful party. What do you think about that? I think it's very true. Mm -hmm. I think you have to bring yourself. I think you have to bring yourself at your best. And you have to bring some wonderful topics of conversation. Mm -hmm. The wonderful books you've just read, a book someone just gave to you, wonderful movies you've just seen, the Golden Globes just happened. Mm -hmm. What are the recent awards that have occurred? What film have you seen? Right. What's happening in the world? It doesn't have to be about politics, sex, or religion. But there are so many fabulous things that are happening. You know, we live in Austin. We've got Formula One, South by Southwest, mm -hmm. ACL, all this fabulous music. There are so many fabulous things that you can do and contribute to conversations. That's right. And no matter where you are. And it's not difficult, and it's pretty organic. And the thing that's always interesting is you have, a, even if you bring it up to somebody, you think this person will so not like this show or this band. There's been more than one time, you know, in the last however many years I've been doing this, where I've been shocked that someone had the same exact exp shared experience I did. I, you know, you just kind of go out on a limb and sometimes you just have to put yourself out there a little bit. It's not in a really soul-bearing way. It's, you know, a kind of a pedestrian way of doing it, but it's really, mm -hmm. really can engage conversation and you make a new friend that way. Oh, you brought yourself, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what, yeah, That's right, Robin Lance. It's so true. And a great question, no matter where you live, is how long have you lived in in either Austin or Houston, Dallas, Mexico, wherever it may be, right. and what brought you here? People love to talk about themselves. That is so true. They really and do. Sometimes you can wind them up, and they don't even realize <laughs> they've been speaking about themselves the entire time. Yeah. It happens often. It does. It happens quite a bit. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about um, what has influenced your personal style, because you're always so well put together. You're always super stylish. What what and whom has influenced your style along the way? Even though this is a clothing optional broadcast, 
Sharon <laughs> chose beautiful clothing as an option, colorful and bright to highlight her own personality. Well, I would have to turn back to my parents um, for, the, as my influences, you know, as a military officer, my father would get up and go to, to every day in either a beautiful blue or white sparkling mm-hmm. clean neat mm-hmm. pressed uniform yeah. and my mother of course was in her beautiful white uniform but when we lived in Japan my father had purses and shoes and beautiful things made for my mother matching purses and shoes mm-hmm. back when in a time when that was the right. thing to do so um, my mother dressed like Jackie O and Jackie O and Chanel were her style standards mm-hmm. so isn't that great um, what a is. great example to grow up yeah. with it is and she still my mother still can set a table like Jackie O and I you know I grew up with that and I still do that And well the apple doesn't fall far from the tree not apparently. at all well I'm very <laughs> blessed both my parents are still with us and and they're fabulous people, and uh, I'm I'm very blessed to have them and their style. So thank yeah. you both for the compliment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and on that note, with the casualness that the world has really embraced, how do you respond to that professionally when you're dealing with, with professional folks who may have a more casual attitude than an international country that is much more formalized? How do you help them bridge that gap? I think that thing that we need to keep in mind is that there's a time and a place for everything. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to be doing business or we're going to be visiting in a country that is a little more formal, we're going to want to adapt our style for that. We're going to want to be true and authentic to ourselves. Mm -hmm. If we want to be successful in a country that is going to be more formal, then Mm -hmm. we're going to want to adapt our style somewhat to that. Yeah. But we can still be authentic and true to ourselves. But it depends how successful we want to be. So some people, you know, I do a lot of damage control. I get a lot of people who come to me after the deal has failed. Mm. And they'll say, Uh, I don't understand what happened. This didn't work out. I didn't get the deal. And we'll sit down and we'll go back through what happened and we'll take things apart and wow. we'll find out they were too informal, mm-hmm. um, either through email, through attire, or through behavior. Mm-hmm. And many people will then say, well, I want to fix this. And unfortunately, you can't go back and undo things. It's like trying right. to put toothpaste back in the tube. So the best thing you can do is do your homework ahead of time and mm-hmm. do your research. And preparation, make sure preparation, preparation, right? That's right. Yeah. You have to know before you go. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's fine. Yeah. I haven't heard that in quite a while. We're going to have to quote that. I hope that that's one of the quotes that you add. It is. On your site, it is. Awesome. Or it could be your yeah. next book title. Like exactly. We revealed that the entire planet. Too early. Awesome. I know. <laughs> you are free to Big quote. Scoops. Free Big to scoops. Big scoops right here on quote. Successful Style. <laughs> so um, back, back to what we were talking about just with business etiquette and even personal etiquette. What's the best way to be dignified when someone either is behaving in an inappropriate way or just a culturally incorrect way. I wouldn't even say inappropriate, but culturally incorrect way. I encourage people to step back and excuse themselves from the situation. Because if you react or engage, then you're not gonna win. 
and you're both going to end up looking bad. I think um, there's a phrase in Texas, and it may be from some other states also, that when you wrestle with pigs, you both get muddy. Mm -hmm. And so you don't want to do that. Right. Um, That's actually northern Nebraska, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Thank you, Lance. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, wherever it's from, we don't want to do that. No, we don't right? want to do we that. We don't want to wrestle and get muddy. Right. Well, in such a volatile, caustic, bombastic world that we're living in, how do how do you get around that? Well, some people revel in that, and they like it, and it's negative energy. I call it Agree. an energy vampire. And some people like to do that. They enjoy it, and they want to bait you and see how you're going to react. So I think we all have to make our decisions. Mm -hmm. Do I want to get involved in that? Do I want to spend my energy that way? And some people like it. And if you want to do that, jump right in. Right, right. Um, And for those of us that don't, you just say, excuse me, turn and go and spend your time with someone else. Right, right. Take the high road because the view is better. Take the high road, the view is better. And when you do excuse yourself, people are going to watch, people observe, and they know what's happened. And the person who looks poor and who has the poor opinion is not going to be you. Right. It's going right. to be the person who tried to engage you. Yeah. Right. It's, all, it's a karmic effect, cause and effect as well. It is. Right. It's like the person who puts the hand out to shake hands and someone else won't shake hands with them. Right and you step away it's Mm -hmm. the person who wouldn't shake hands that looks bad right not the person who put their hand out the person who put their hand out has all the power true true very true the extension of oneself that's right wow so true yeah and um so tell us what is one thing on your resume that makes you unique that's not lifeguarding either one or ten things because you have so many facets to yourself and you want to know one thing that is not listed on my resume yeah. that makes me – it'd probably be scuba diving. Oh, that's the big reveal. Had no idea. Yeah. I, I, in fact, I just received a new book on 50 additional new places to scuba dive before you die that I want to do. Um, How exciting. Yeah. It's fun. We just were in the Bahamas over the new year. Right. Um, Grand Bahama is one of those one p- wonderful places to dive. And then yeah. we're going to go to Bonaire uh, for my birthday. Oh, but that'll be we, wonderful. Yeah, it's, we love to dive. Yeah. I love to dive. It's a, it's a thrill for me. What, what is the feeling that you most like when you're diving and when you're down there among Oceana? What do you feel when you're down there? Quiet, mm-hmm. peace, mm-hmm. serenity. Yeah. And to watch the animal kingdom just the beautiful colors and it's just absolutely beautiful unfolding around you right what's the most i guess unique or special um life i won't even say animal but life that you have seen scuba diving i would probably say the sharks in the great barrier reef in in australia that's a big one yeah that's a big one the other one would probably be the sea leopards in antarctica but i was not scuba diving there they were absolutely beautiful antarctica is probably one of the most fascinating places i've ever been so you're a seven continent person yes rob and that's awesome you're our first seven continent guest oh thank you that's fantastic well that we know that's come up yeah 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 but we're gonna go ahead and call you the first one because we don't know any differently (laughs) how's that okay We'll take it. 
So we're starting to run a little low on time, oh, but um, come on. we always we always love to ask this question of our guests, and that is the top five people from history you would love to have at a dinner party. Oh. And I bet your list is quite interesting. So and for we, different can, reasons. we cannot leave without knowing that. Okay. Well, my list would be Jesus, the Queen, Albert Schweitzer, Yosa Uprika, and Franta Uprika. Wow. Why the Uprikas? Why the Uprikas? They're ancestors of mine who are Czech painters and Czech sculptors. Oh, wow. From, from what, oh, from what era? They, um, there are books about them. Mm -hmm. And we have one ancestor who, uh, Yoza was the painter, Franta was the sculptor. And they have their works in the National Gallery in Prague. Wow. So I would love to visit with them. What and a great talk provenance. To them. Yeah. Yes. What would you ask them? What inspired them? I want to visit with them about um, their art, their use of color. Mm -hmm. uh, what inspired them to use the red so much, since red was um, a color that was more used in Russia? Mm -hmm. And how did they get so many paintings done? There were so many. And I want to talk to them about their sister who carried the flower bag to help them survive when their father was not pleased with their decision to be artists. Oh, my gosh. It sounds like a miniseries waiting to unfold. It was. It is. She snuck out of the house and went to the barn and got a flower bag and carried it so that they had something to survive on. Because, as you can imagine, in that time. Very difficult times. Yes, yeah. very difficult. They, they, were not, they were supposed to be farmers, and they were supposed to help right. the family. They were not supposed to be painters and sculpting. Wow. Isn't that something? So, wow, it sounds like that's where you got your writing abilities, too, from that creative yeah. pedigree. Oh, gosh, that would be humbling and <laughs> an honor. I it don't had know to start if somewhere. I'm that talented. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, awesome. one last question before we go, and this is, you know, for people to believe to be inspired, what is one common trait all people of good manners have? I would say that they all have integrity. They're all honest because to have good manners, you have consideration, you have honesty, and you have integrity. You are good to yourself and you're good to other people. Perfect wow. answer. And a perfect way to, that should be to end the segment. On a yeah, on no a kidding. That sounds really That's incredible. Awesome. Yeah. Well done, Sharon. Well, thank you, Lindsay. We're always Rob. so pleased to have you. Would you come back? I will. Oh, absolutely. If you two are going to be the podcast host, of course. You're so wonderful, oh, both of you. It's so I much adore fun chatting you with you. We We've adore known you. you forever, and we've known you such a long time, and we're just so, so grateful that you took the time to I'm sit so with us today. I'm so proud of your accomplishments. They yeah. are thank vast you. and wide. I'm so proud of you. Well, I'm proud of you too. Look at you hosting your own podcasts. Oh well, my gosh! Only with special <laughs> guests like you. You two are just the bomb.com. <laughs> awesome blossom. <laughs> Keeping it real and keeping it young with Sharon Schweitzer, everyone. And that's right. And on that note, we will we will end this segment. I'm Lance Avery Morgan. And I'm Rob Giardinelli, signing off from the Bob Bullock Texas History Museum in Austin, Texas, for Success with Style, reminding you that great style starts by having a unique point of view. Have a great day, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye.